0: You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Antidepressants can help our patients greatly, but when they have problems with sexual functioning, will they stay on their medicines? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, your host, and with me today is Dr. Anita Clayton, professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Neurobehavioral Sciences at the University of Virginia Health System in Charlottesville. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Clayton.
1: Glad to be here.
0: Well, sexual side effects are a thorn in the, the side of all primary caregivers who use these medicines. What type of side effects do we see and how frequently do they occur?
1: Well, we see problems related to each of the phases of the sexual response cycle. Interestingly, depression also causes problems with desire and arousal in many of our patients with depression. But then antidepressants can also contribute to diminished desire, problems with arousal in both men and women, and then also problems achieving orgasm or at least a long delay in the time it takes to achieve orgasm or requiring more stimulation. So Problems in each of those phases can occur, and very often with antidepressants, we see problems in every one of those phases of the sexual response cycle.
0: Are there gender differences in how often you see various aspects of the sexual response affected?
1: We recently looked at a group of patients who had some sexual dysfunction with their antidepressant, but it wasn't global sexual dysfunction, so we could try to look at the phases of the sexual response cycle that might be affected What we found was that men were more likely than women statistically significantly and probably clinically significantly more likely to have diminished desire and orgasmic dysfunction. And women were statistically and clinically more likely than men to have arousal phase problems, that is, not being able to stay focused, not being in the moment, so cognitive arousal, but also genital arousal with lubrication and engorgement and things like that. So we did see some gender differences, but when we look at people who develop global sexual dysfunction, that is, all those phases being affected, very similar percentages of men and women experience global sexual dysfunction related to antidepressant therapy.
0: How often do these come up? How many patients are affected with these side effects?
1: It all depends on how you measure it. If you're looking at spontaneous reports, which are what are in the package insert, the reporting rates are really low, especially for drugs that have been around for a while. Since we've identified these problems, though, we've developed some questionnaires and interviews and things like that to try to assess this. And using our Changes in Sexual Function questionnaire, we found that about 37% of people had significant and global sexual dysfunction, but over 75% had at least one phase of the sexual response cycle affected, if they were taking monotherapy with an antidepressant. Other studies have also supported rates in that 70% range, and those tended to include people who had global dysfunction as well as one phase affected.
0: Well, that makes me feel better because I certainly, for my own clinical practice, have the experience that it is very common, and I could certainly see with a subject like this that there'd be a big difference between spontaneous reporting by patients and if you go and inquire of them specific questions.
1: Absolutely.
0: Is this felt to be due mostly to serotonin?
1: Well, we know that effects on serotonin tend to cause very specific problems. So one of the things that it can do is influence endocrine function, which would be, and there are also some direct effects of serotonergic agents on endocrine function, so we can see diminished testosterone and changes in estrogen function as well. In addition, we see problems with orgasmic function probably related to direct effects on 5-HT2 and 5-HT3 receptors. Also, nitric oxide can be negatively impacted by serotonin, and serotonin can also influence pain by either diminishing sensation overall or causing hyperalgesia or enhanced sensitivity to painful sensations. The indirect effects are diminishing noradrenergic function, which is related to generalized arousal, including sexual arousal, and diminishing dopaminergic function, which decreases desire and also probably impacts on our ability to stay focused and in the moment, which may be one of the things that's a bigger problem in women because our testosterone levels are not high enough to drive the system all the way through in sort of a linear kind of way. It's effects on endocrine function and its effects on neurotransmitters that are probably having negative effects in terms of sexual functioning. There might also be effects on other hormones, in addition to our sex steroids, so things like prolactin may also be affected by antidepressants.
0: That's interesting, and it seems in women perhaps it is more of the dopamine side of things rather than testosterone or the so-called sex hormones.
1: Right, although it looks like dopamine is probably related to behavioral motivation, so it's the thing that gets us actually doing sex, whereas maybe testosterone is related to cognitive Experiences. So, our thoughts about getting involved in sex, especially spontaneous thoughts, may be negatively affected if testosterone is diminished. So, we might think about sex with testosterone, but we might actually do it because of dopamine.
0: Are the SSRIs the only antidepressant medicines that have effects on these neurotransmitters?
1: No. Tricyclic antidepressants also have negative effects on sexual functioning, but they're older drugs and they haven't been systematically studied, especially using these newer tools for measuring sexual dysfunction. Some of the MAOIs have also been looked at. In the past, again, oral MAOIs were problematic. It does look like perhaps transdermal administration, a monamine oxidase inhibitor like seligiline might have fewer negative sexual effects. Also, it tends to have dopaminergic effects that are more prominent than the other MAOIs, and that may also be a a way to mitigate against sexual dysfunction from the neurotransmitter effects on serotonin.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to REACH MD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and I'm being educated by Dr. Anita Clayton from the University of Virginia Health System in Charlottesville, Virginia. We are talking about coping with the sexual side effects of antidepressant medicines. Dr. Clayton, is this a dose-related phenomena, or is it just the, the medicine itself?
1: Well, it is a dose-related phenomena. We looked at 6,300 people who were taking monoclonal Therapy for antidepressants a few years ago, and found that higher doses of SSRIs and the SNRI that was available then, venlafaxine, were associated with greater sexual dysfunction than lower doses of those medications. Interestingly enough, drugs like bupropion and mirtazapine showed no differences that were dose-related specifically. So it sounds like it's really the SSRIs or drugs that have a serotonin reuptake inhibitory effect where we might see greater problems at higher doses.
0: Among the SSRIs, are there some that tend to be less problematic than others?
1: Not really. In this large study that I was talking about, there was almost no statistical difference and certainly not any clinical difference between any of the SSRIs that were available at the time. The only statistical difference was between fluoxetine and paroxetine, with fluoxetine having being on the lower end of the group in terms of sexual side effects and paroxetine being on the upper end. But there were no differences between paroxetine and all the other SSRIs and venlafaxine and SNRI, and there was no difference between fluoxetine and all the others as well. So really they clumped together as a group. This is a class effect and we don't see differences among the serotonin reuptake inhibitors. The one exception I would say to that are more recent studies looking at duloxetine, which is a serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, which has fewer sexual side effects than the SSRI escitalopram and but slightly more than what you see with placebo. So it looks like maybe it has fewer sexual side effects, maybe because of the significant noradrenergic effects we see with duloxetine.
0: Okay, so one strategy sounds like we could try to choose agents that have fewer side effects. The SSRIs really are all clumped together, but maybe the SNRIs are slightly less uh, culpable in this regard. And then you mentioned Welbutrin, Bupropion, and Mirtazapine, Remeron. Any others that you think of as having far fewer sexual side effects?
1: Well, nefazodone or surzone also has been found to have fewer sexual side effects, but we haven't been using that medication that frequently recently. And also, it looks like the soligiline transdermal system also has fewer sexual side effects. Certainly, it looks pretty comparable to placebo when measured using a non-validated, but still a specific questionnaire.
0: And are there other strategies that we can employ?
1: Certainly. We can switch our patients. If they have sexual dysfunction on one antidepressant, we can try switching them to something else that is less likely to have sexual side effects. And generally when I do that, I add in the new agent because really most of these drugs are are just fine to use in combination and titrate that up to a fully therapeutic dose have them on the combination for a few weeks, and then very slowly begin to titrate them off the SSRI, usually by the smallest possible increment that I can every two weeks. And that's so that you don't get discontinuation symptoms and people start thinking that's a side effect of the new medication. And in general, we see pretty effective continued therapeutic benefit with diminishing sexual side effects.
0: A strategy that I've used but have not been all that impressed is just to, to add a, a small dose of bupropion, butrin Does that hold any water?
1: Well, I think you're right that if you're just adding a low dose, like 100 or 150 milligrams, you're probably not going to see a lot of benefit. Also, taking it just before sexual activity sometimes helps people, but if it doesn't, I would encourage people to go on it daily and increase those doses to 300 or 450 of bupropion, and we have seen benefits. Plus, once you get people on bupropion at a dose of 300 milligrams a day or higher, you can usually decrease the dose of the SSRI, and even if you can't stop it, at a lower dose, you're effectively improving their sexual function because of that dose-related aspect of the serotonin reuptake inhibitors.
0: Drug holidays, do those ever produce good effects?
1: Well, you know, there have not been systematic studies looking at drug holidays, and I hate to encourage patients to skip meds for a couple of days because usually what happens is then they skip their meds at other times, and then soon they're not taking it. So if we're going to try a drug holiday, I usually try to decrease their dose and see if we can stop it. If their symptoms of depression reemerge, we just go ahead and put them back on that medication and try a different strategy. Also, the problem with drug holidays is is that with short-acting SSRIs, you can see discontinuation symptoms relatively quickly. So if they skip their dose on Friday and Saturday, by Sunday morning they're probably feeling pretty sick in about half the cases because of discontinuation symptoms. So that's sort of another negative.
0: And I know you've talked about MAO inhibitors. Uh, as an internist, I get terrified. Should I be? What about the transdermal preparation? Educate us.
1: At the dose of 6 milligrams per day in the patch, there is not a dietary restriction with soligiline. There are still drug restrictions, so things like Demerol and cold preparations I tell my patients, no matter what MAOI they're taking, to avoid those.
0: Thank you, Dr. Clayton. It's been very, very interesting. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.